helped me make a positive difference when I'm on the job. God, help me make a loving difference in my home. God, make me a lasting difference among my friends. God, make me a difference maker wherever I go. Welcome back to this uh, study on the Old Testament book of Daniel. And while I give a a warm welcome to you, I do want to acknowledge an unwelcome guest in the form of a virus and this uh, bronchitis that continues. So apologies in advance if I cough a little bit along the way. But, you know, we have uh, some serious business, uh, some uh, some word from, from God that needs to be shared. It's about Daniel. He's a difference maker uh, because he took the transforming love and wisdom that he experienced in a relationship with God, and then he brought it into his everyday life and relationships. Uh, Daniel had a relationship with God that changed him and then changed his world uh, because, uh, among other things, as Daniel's life was changed, it changed those around him, including the most powerful man on earth in Daniel's day, uh, who ended up seeking the same relationship with God that he saw in his co-worker, Daniel. I'm talking about Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of the Babylonian empire, and more about Nebuchadnezzar a little bit later. But now, uh, along with the book of Daniel, we're going to lurch forward uh, 60 years uh, to a time when Nebuchadnezzar is now uh, dead, and Daniel is in his 80s, and a man named Belshazzar is sitting on the uh, emperor's throne over the vast empire of the Babylonians. And God has a message today uh, to us through a message that he gave to Belshazzar at a dinner party that he hosted. Now, actually, uh, truth be told, calling this a dinner is polite. Uh, Because Belshazzar's gathering is really not about good food. Uh, In fact, as I read the account, see if you can notice the verb uh, that gets repeated over and over again that really demonstrates what Belshazzar's event is all about. I'm in Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that they had taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone, okay? What's the verb that really defines what this event was all about? Yeah, it's uh, to drink. Uh, This was not so much a dinner party as it was a drinking party. Uh, Belshazzar had opened the royal bar and uh, and said, come on, drink until you are drunk. And uh, to say that what led, that that the alcohol led him to some bad decisions is again being polite. Uh, I don't know what your background is with uh, the subject of alcohol, but I'd like to share with you a little bit of my background. Uh, when I was a kid, 
I grew up in a church that was totally against all forms of alcohol. It was not BlackRock, another church, totally against all forms of alcohol. I grew up in a Bible-teaching church uh, that conveyed indirectly and indirectly uh, that you could tell the difference between Christians and non-Christians uh, by their approach to the subject of alcohol and wine. I grew up in a church that conveyed the, the idea that only non-Christians drank alcohol. But true Christians would never let uh, the fermented drink uh, pass their lips. This idea that Christians do not drink wine was presented as biblical truth, uh, which made for some awkward moments um, when we came across certain parts of the Bible, uh, especially those parts of the Bible about Jesus drinking wine. Uh, but it got worse. You know that your Christians don't drink philosophy is in trouble when you read the Bible and find out that not only did Jesus drink drank wine, but he was a distributor. Uh, that actually, he made wine at a wedding. So I confess that I grew up in a church that was sometimes guilty of trying to be more biblical than the Bible uh, when it comes to alcohol. The truth is the Bible does not condemn alcohol. And unlike some churches, BlackRock does not believe that drinking has anything to do with whether you are a Christ follower or not. But you know, along this, alongside the Bible's clear teaching that wine is good and the Apostle Paul uh, advice saying a little wine can be good for your digestion, the Bible is also very realistic about the fact that alcohol has called, caused untold misery in our world. And this story of Belshazzar's uh, dinner party being polite, uh, is, includes the Bible's strong warning against the misuse of alcohol. This king, living 3,000 years ago, illustrates a problem that endangers and enslaves people listening to me right now. And in a few moments, I'm going to suggest that uh, one reason that Belshazzar was uh, misusing alcohol was his attempt to cope cope with things in his life, that he was filling an inner hole uh, of fear and despair, that he was trying to escape pain and guilt. And so uh, this led him to, as alcohol often does, lead him to some bad decisions that pushed him away from God and, uh, and into ruin. And that was 3,000 years ago. But there are people listening to me right now who are misusing alcohol in the same way. So, you know, be honest. Uh, be honest for a moment. If, if you find yourself, I need a drink, actually. Uh, <laughs> if you find, seriously, if you find yourself in a place where you need a drink just to get through the day, you need a drink to relax, you need a drink to cope, get serious. I mean, alcohol becomes a serious issue when it becomes a way to fill a hole of fear or despair that only God can fill. Or it becomes a way to escape uh, the emotional pain and guilt that only God can heal. Or, or you let that alcohol uh, lead you into places that are pushing you away from God or people you love. Uh, if you see yourself misusing alcohol like Belshazzar, God is reaching out to you.
like he did to Belshazzar. God loves you, and he wants you to be free. So reach out uh, to God and reach out to some of the resources that we have here at BlackRock. There is no condemning. There is no shaming. We're all on a journey. We all have different struggles as we try to, try to follow God. There's no shame. Reach out to some of the resources we have here at BlackRock, uh, including the, the Living Free group that meets every Thursday. One final note. You know, if you have someone uh, in your life, a friend or a loved one, and you know that they're showing signs of misusing a substance like alcohol, part of being a difference maker is being loving enough and being bold enough to ask the question, to raise the issue, to support life and health in the people around you who you love by doing the loving thing. You know, Belshazzar's drinking led him to make a bad decision and then a worse decision. Uh, he actually uh, then called up these goblets uh, that were seized from God's temple in Jerusalem. And uh, he ordered that these sacred symbols be filled with wine so he could drink from them. Now, you understand that you know, Belshazzar, when he calls up God's goblets, he's He's not responding to a drinkware shortage problem. He's not, hey, we need more cups. Where are we going to go? No, that wasn't it. Belshazzar was actually doubling down on a choice to ignore the living God in order to give himself to the dead gods of materialism and sensuality and pleasure. And I say that Belshazzar ignored the living God because the text makes clear that he knew all about the living God of the Bible. Belshazzar knew about God, but chose to ignore him until suddenly, until suddenly everything changed because God did something that Belshazzar could not ignore. This is Daniel chapter five, beginning at verse five. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. So Daniel was brought before the king. And the king said to him, if you can read the writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, you can keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar, your predecessor, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the most high God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Had the goblets from his temple brought to you and your nobles, your wives and concubines could drink wine from them, uh, 
You praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze and iron and wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he said, the hand that wrote the inscription, this is the inscription that was written, mene, mene, tekel, parson. Belshazzar was ignoring God, so God did something that Belshazzar could not ignore. God put the writing on the wall. You ever heard that expression before? Just, just, would you just look at the writing on the wall? Well, that expression came from this dramatic account in Daniel. And I left off with the heart-pounding moment when God scrawls those words on the wall. Many, many, tekel, parson. Folks, these Profound words apply to me and you just as much as they applied to Belshazzar. God wants to use these ancient words to break through the distractions, break through the pretensions in your life and mine so that God can draw us to himself. The words are many, tekel, and parson. I'd like to now tell you what these words mean and Daniel's interpretation of them. Now, not my interpretation. This is Daniel's interpretation of these words. The first word is mene, which means numbered. And God's message is your days are numbered and your life is short. Then tekel, which means weighed. Which God's message is your life is being weighed and you will be held accountable. And the last word is parson, which means falling apart which was God's call to release your personal kingdom because it's broken and falling apart. These words are profound because they not only apply to Belshazzar, they apply to you and me right now. But first, what do they mean to Belshazzar? Mene referred to the truth that Belshazzar's days were numbered. Unfortunately, the number was one uh, because Belshazzar would be dead in a few hours. Tekel refers to how Belshazzar's life was being weighed on God's scales. And according to Daniel, his life was found wanting, meaning that Belshazzar was a spiritual lightweight. Uh, he might have had political weight uh, over his subjects. He might have had financial weight in God. But when it came to his relationship with God, he put no weight in his relationship with God, a God he was about ready to meet in eternity. Finally, Parson, Belshazzar was all about his kingdom. He had a firm grip, a death grip on his kingdom because it was the most precious thing he had and it formed his whole identity. And Parson means broken and falling apart because whether he knew it or not, Belshazzar's kingdom was falling apart. In fact, at that very moment, Belshazzar's military was splintering and a massive Persian army would overrun Babylon the kingdom in a few hours. Which brings us back to Belshazzar's drinking party. If you were to ask historians, historians would tell you that the reason Belshazzar threw this party was because he knew that his kingdom was falling apart. 
He knew that the Persians would soon be knocking on his door, and this drinking party was his attempt to distract himself. It was his opportunity to try to pretend that everything was fine and trying to cope in the midst of the banquet distraction. And in the midst of that distraction and pretension, God was reaching out to him with a literal hand, a hand writing, mene, tekel, Parson, and the same is true for us. God is reaching through the fog of distraction in your life and mine, reaching through the pretension. He's reaching out to two groups today. He's reaching out to you. If you like, you're like Belshazzar, you are far away from God. God is reaching out to you today. But first, let me speak to you. If you are a Christ follower who wants your life to count, If you have a relationship with God, then right now, God's writing on the wall for you is calling you to go beyond just talking about being a difference maker and actually become one. There's a big difference between talking about being an impact maker and actually being one. Uh, There are a lot of people who talk. I mean, they say, I want to make a difference by introducing Jesus to my friends who don't know him, but they never do it. They say, I want to make a difference by giving of myself and tithing and and sharing my resources that God has given to me, but they never do it. They say, I want to make a difference in the lives of kids of students and adults by sharing my gifts in ministry in the church, but they never do it. Oh, they really, really want to share and give and make their lives count for Jesus. Oh, they really are serious about doing it someday, but right now, they just want to talk about it. Is this you? If this is you, God wants to reach past the distraction. If this is you, God has three words for you. Mene, tekel, parson. Mene means numbered. If you listen, there's a voice of one who loves you saying, remember, your life is short. This is not a voice of threat. This is a voice of one who loves you, who gave you life twice. He gave you life when you were born and when you were born again. This is the one who loves you and wants your one and only short life to count and for you to make a difference with it. He's the voice reminding you that, you know, sometimes that word, there's a word that is the most dangerous word in the English language. It's the word someday. Someday I'll be the mom or dad that I should be. Someday I'll quit complaining and be grateful. Someday I'm going to stand boldly for Jesus. Someday I'm going to get serious about prayer. Someday I'm going to read the Bible. Someday I'm going to make a difference. And the whole premise behind someday is that there are limitless days. There are not. Your days, my days are numbered, which means that if I want my life to count, I must make today count. I'm not given tomorrows. I'm given todays, one at a time. Jesus taught that the only tomorrow that I should focus on is that tomorrow when I stand before God face to face in eternity for tekel. Tekel means weighed or evaluated and measured. And it's a a favorite theme of Jesus throughout the Gospels that Every person will stand before God in eternity and have his or her life 
accounted for and weighed and evaluated by God. For those who do not follow Jesus, the Bible says that this evaluation leads to complete separation from God. But the Bible also says that the followers of Jesus also get evaluated as to how pleasing their lives were to God and how worthy they are of his rewards. And in parable after parable, Jesus brings up tekel. He brings up this idea of weight in the form of coins. He would tell stories about coins and how that coins are an illustration of the fact that, that there is a best case scenario and a worst case scenario when we enter eternity. Uh, in the best case scenario, Jesus describes that moment when we center our lives on things that matter to God, and then at the end of this life of making a difference in God's name, we enter eternity, and Jesus uh, embraces us as a friend, welcomes us, and says, well done, good and faithful servant. This best case scenario is having God evaluate your life and being pleased. And what's, what, what pleases God? Keep in mind that the most pleasing thing to God is having a growing relationship with you. This is, what, this is where being a difference maker begins. Um, to God, the rewarding life is not doing great stuff for Jesus. The rewarding life is walking with Jesus and then having him do great stuff in you and through you in a way that makes a difference. It's all about a relationship with God, which is why Jesus also taught about the worst case scenario. Jesus taught about the worst case scenario, and it's not about entering eternity with a shortage of good works. The worst case scenario is entering eternity and hearing Jesus say to you, I never knew you. See the difference between the best case and the worst case? It's not, work, it's not works. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's a friendship with Jesus that gives you spiritual weight on God's scales it, and leads you to a life that is more than just talking about making a difference. You become a difference maker because you have a relationship with the Difference maker who lives in you and, and actually makes the difference through you. So how about you? God puts you on this scale. What does it show? Does it show you have a solid relationship with Jesus that makes a difference in you so you can make a difference like Daniel around you? Or truth be told, are you more about talk than action? Right now, God wants to cut through the distractions and the pretensions with uh, three words. Mene, your life is short. Tekel, your life will be evaluated. And parson, it's another word that applies to each one of us. Just like Belshazzar, we all have a personal kingdom comprised of what is most precious to me and forms the foundation of my identity. Uh, God's message to me is the same as to Belshazzar. Whenever I build my kingdom around me, I build a kingdom that is broken and falling apart. Do you know why you're, you feel like your life is falling apart? 
Because it is. If you build your life around your popularity, all it takes is one criticism or one dirty look and you're falling apart. If you build your your identity, your security around finances, all it takes is one dip in the Dow and you're falling apart. If you build your identity on your kids, their problems become your problems and eventually they'll grow up and bill you for therapy and then you go away and your life will fall apart. If you build your kingdom on your good job or your good looks or your good health or good times, you're building your house on sand and one good storm will wipe it all out. So if I'm a Christ follower, God's writing on the wall for me is to remind me to release my grip on my personal kingdom that is falling apart and build my life on the rock of Christ and his kingdom. Difference makers build Christ's everlasting kingdom through a simple relationship with him that makes a difference. God calls you to be a difference maker who gives up your kingdom that's falling apart to be part of God's everlasting work that carries rewards in this life and the next. And all I need to do is respond. Respond to God's writing on the wall. How about Belshazzar? Did he respond to uh, God's writing on the wall? Well, let's pick up with Daniel explaining to him what the words on the wall mean in verse 26. Daniel said, here's what the words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Parson, your kingdom is broken and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at age 62. Even though Belshazzar was far away from God. God reached a loving hand out to him, a hand that wrote those words, many, tekel, parson. God reached out to Belshazzar, but at the end of the story, Belshazzar did not respond. How about you, Christ follower? Are you, will you respond? Numbered, weighed, falling apart. God wants to offer you Something wonderful in a relationship with him that makes a difference for all eternity. Or maybe uh, you're like Belshazzar and you're far away from God right now. Uh, But you know that God's speaking to you personally. In these words, numbered, weighed, falling apart. You know who you are. You know it's you. Numbered, weighed, falling apart. But the hand that writes these words on the wall for you is a nail-scarred hand. The hand that reaches out to you, loves you, died on the cross for you, wants a relationship with you that makes a difference in you so that you can make a difference in this world. At the end of the story, Belshazzar did not respond to God's invitation. Oh, he gave Daniel the purple and the gold and the position, uh, silently acknowledging that the message to to him from God was correct, uh, but he did not respond. How about you? Will you respond? It's not enough just to agree with God's message. It's your response that makes the difference. So how is your story going to end? I'd like to give you a moment here at the end uh, to just have a quiet moment with God. Give you a chance to respond to the writing on the wall. Let's pray. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. 
know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.